you're listening to Voices of Value, a selection of valuable insights designed to help you get more out of your professional and personal life through simple and easy-to-adopt life lessons. If you're keen to enjoy a better quality of life at work and at home, sit back and join the conversation with your hosts, Peter Kakos and Rick Rushton. Voices of Value, episode 26. We're back at the Holden Centre in Collingwood, Pete. Uh, great feedback from Bucks last week, and we've got another very special guest that is uh, basically living her professional dream, continuing on inside the four walls of the amazing Holden Centre. But uh, I think the key there is she is, so that must give a bit of a hint to what sort of sport we're talking. It is, but I'm just wondering why we keep coming back to the Holden Centre because uh, I, I said Arden Street would be a great place to yep. um, record from, but well, all of a sudden we're back here in the... Seen all these Collingwood trophies out there. None yeah. from that recent. But anyway. Oh, that's a bit harsh. But yeah, we wanted to go to a peak performance centre. That's why we picked the Holden Centre, not Arden Street. I would so. agree with that. Oh, our guest speakers. Our speakers jumped in. Just so you understand your role here, you're the guest. <laughs> <laughs> just, just wait for the introduction. But uh, <laughs> wow, we just, just so spot the keenness uh, here. Look, without further ado, it's um, Voices of Value is all about bringing elite sports people and business people and looking at the insights and, and what makes them tick. And uh, I think today we're, we're very privileged to have someone incredibly special and an elite sports person who has just actually changed codes as well in the past year as well. But uh, So we're going to ask a lot about that and what it takes to do that. But without further ado, and welcome Shani Layton. Thank you. Good to be here, team. And just so you know, <laughs> I know, uh, and you know, I was really quiet before, so you didn't know I was here anyway. Wasn't that go. a surprise? But just so you know, Shani's on her third espresso for the day. So uh, <laughs> if she talks too fast, you're gonna have to listen quicker, gang, because uh, she's really pumped to go. How lucky are we? Pete, when you uh, think about it. Look, absolutely incredible. Shani's won two world championship gold medals. Wow. One yeah. Commonwealth gold medal. That is true. You're, uh, you've actually captained the Diamonds netball team as well. Was that 2017? Yeah. For, for the quad series? For the quad series, yeah. Yeah, yeah take time. it. Take it and run with it. <laughs> but um, you're a Vixen, then you're a Thunderbird, then yes, you're a Swift. That is correct. And then you're a Magpie. And then I was a Magpie. I was just wow. all sorts of birds. Yeah. All over Australia. <laughs> Shani, you've got a... You've got <laughs> You've got an incredible story, and um, you know my sister and niece are just so entrenched in the in in netball and so forth. And when I said I wasn't going to be interviewing you today, they were like, "Oh my god, she is just like just love her, love her to bits." Oh, like nice. because you know netball stereotypically is mm. just real. Shall we say well mannered, nice girls, and so forth? Mm. <laughs> yeah, mm, where where am I going here? Yeah, uh, you may have been. Uh, I'm not. You know, I, I know what the right word is. Not not ridiculed or anything like that. But no. certainly, you were seen as someone who was quite outspoken. Yes. In terms of what you did, you're very passionate. Your very. heart is well and truly. I see it beating on your sleeve right now. It's true. I have to wear really flexible clothes. <laughs> <laughs> but you're a passionate sports person. Yeah. I want to go back. You're um, you're born in Mordialic, so a, a little uh, little coastal town here. Yeah. That sounds like <laughs> little coastal town. Sounds like Bayside. It sounds like we've gone to home and away. Yes. <laughs> Summer Bay. Well, yeah. I thought about acting yeah. as well, but maybe. Maybe not yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, you're a little taller than uh, Rick and I at 188 centimetres. So at what stage of your life, of your junior um, career, did you, did you decide netball was it? So I guess I've always been really tall, um, as even as a little girl. I was bigger than all the boys from grade three upwards. Um, and, yeah, I was about five years old and mum was a coach and my sister played netball and they just took me down there and it was just our social Saturdays. So I didn't really have a choice 
in the matter, it wasn't something that I guess I was like, oh, I'm going to go down and play netball. It was just I'm down there. I may as well do net, set, go, which is the little baby learnings how to squish the spider and pivot around. <laughs> um, and it just kind of grew from there. Um, I did a lot of sports growing up, though. It wasn't just netball. I did life-saving, cricket, horse riding, a um, little bit of athletics and stuff at school, swimming, um, just pretty much, yeah, I don't know how my mum managed it all. But, yeah, my netball journey in all of that started quite young. Yeah, it sounds yeah. very similar to Bianca's story, wasn't it, that she sort of did a lot of sports growing up and yeah. netball sort of found her. It wasn't like she went seeking it. It sort of found her with an older sister, so she had the same pathways you had as well. And obviously, you know, then you start playing, your results are pretty good. And then you yeah. think maybe this is something I could do you know, fairly well. Did you – were you sort of inspired to continue to go because you were good at it or did you hear the feedback from other people saying you should progress this further? What was it? Well, it was actually the opposite, really. I just did it because I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the team environment, um, but I was actually really bad at it. Really? <laughs> yeah. Well, I wasn't terrible, but I was so tall from such a young – I was literally six foot at the age of 13. Yeah, wow. Um, wow. And so I couldn't control my limbs. I would trip over, graze my knees, all the rest of it. Um, and I missed out on a lot of teams because of that. So I'd go down to Frankston to try and make that state league team that could come into the city and play yeah. on Wednesday or Friday nights or on a weekend and never made those teams. And so – I don't know. It was actually a really good lesson early on because I wasn't playing it to be competitive. I was playing it for fun yep. and for that enjoyment. Um, but my mum, I think she saw the potential in me and was like, I want Shani to stick with it. So yep. thank God for her guidance Absolutely. through it all. Um, and it wasn't until a bit later on that, yeah, probably I was 14, 15, that I finally had someone that TID'd me to put me into the academies, which is the pathway to trial for yep. state and all the rest of it. Um, that got me through and then, you know, once that one coach sees you that hasn't seen you before when everyone else had put you in an uncoordinated pile for <laughs> yeah. your whole childhood. The baby they giraffe. Go, oh, so you were labelled. Yeah, so labelled baby giraffe but That's as it. a positive, not a negative, <laughs> whereas before that age of 14, 15 it was a negative. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, at 15 I made my first state team and the following year um, I made my first Melbourne team because wow. the coach – The Kestrels. For the Kestrels, that is correct. He's done his research. He, has, if you're he knows it. He's so well. He's all over it. Um, So the coach for the state team was the assistant coach for the Melbourne Kestrels. Right. So I literally went from being in the under-15 B team that played at Waverley. I could never – I was never good enough to play at Parkville, which was where, you know, all the amazing young – So did you go from there to straight in like – Yeah. So the under-15 B team into the Kestrels and the coach of the Kestrels, Jane Searle, was like, Charney, I need you playing in championship. So I went from 15B to championship. So I literally skipped about eight teams. Wow. Um, But I love that story because – just shows you that one person's opinion can change a whole heap of stuff and your rotation and journey of where you go in life. And that's why I never listen to no from people. I just Gee, find that's another a great way. Message, isn't it? I mean, mm. you could just stop now. Yeah. Just journal that in and get on and live life. I think you know you can't let other people's opinions become your opinions of it and Shani's living proof of that, that she just decided this is my own path, I'm going to set my own sort of way. Not to say you weren't taking feedback from coaches and taking feedback mm. from those that were going to help you along the journey but you were very selective about what you sort of took on board Definitely. and your own identity was set, going to be set by you. Yes. Your skill set was going to be set by them. Yes. And you, I, I, it sounds to me like you had some very clear boundaries on what that looked like. I did and, uh, you know, I still was quite young at that stage so I am super grateful for my mum and dad for yep. guiding me and having me yep. in that way and you know they never let me sook if I missed out on a team it was always like oh well get up go again next week and I did equestrian at the time as well so I would have hands down preferred to be at a horse event over a netball tournament yep. when I was younger but mum said to me Shani you have signed up for this netball team you can't let your teammates down so 
you know, without them even knowing, they are huge parts of the values and boundaries instilled in me and the person that I became. Yeah, and just so you know, as someone whose daughter is riding at the Royal Melbourne Show this September. No way. Trust me. Yeah. I would much prefer the school board to tell us that she did okay versus some judge who you never met. Like, I can't tell the difference. I just go, how how is she graded there and then graded differently? And obviously, I'm very untrained in that. But, Pete, you're sort of, um, you're sort of there just keen to ask your next question because I think I know where it's going based on the answer. No, it's interesting as a, as a 16 or so with the with the Kestrels and uh, you obviously took it incredibly seriously and, and look, some people get opportunities and they don't grab it and run with it. Yep. Mm-hmm. You've obviously grabbed it and run with it and it was about three years later, if I'm not mistaken, the AIS yes. came along, so yep. the Institute of Sport, mm. and you went there. Tell us about that experience as, as a 19-year-old, was it? Yeah, so I was 19 when I went to the Australian Institute of Sport and funnily enough, if I didn't go to the AIS, I was going to quit netball because I took it seriously but it's so tough as a young player to know how to sit on a bench yeah. um, and it is a part of netball unfortunately because yeah. – it's just the name of the game. If someone is on court is better than you, then that's just how it is. But I got to the stage that, you know, I was training seven, eight times a week, three years, 11 and 12, travelling, having to have really good time management to, around my study and all the rest of it. Um, and I realised without playing I actually couldn't get any better because, yep, you can train as much as you want but without having that actual experience of getting on the court I just thought, is this really what I want to do? And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to go up to – The AIS, it's 21 and under. I can go play with girls my own age rather than be underneath girls that are in the Australian team um, and see where my skills grow and develop, get some good match time in and and see where that leads me. So I was there for two years in the end, um, split up. So I was in Canberra, I came back to Melbourne for the Vixens and then went back to the Canberra in 2009. Um, And it was a really great learning curve for me and it was the best because I was always comparing myself to those older than me and never thought I was good enough. But then when I was able to strip it all back, and actually start training with girls my own age, I was like, oh, actually I am good. And I hadn't realised that for three years because I'd been comparing myself to people who had done it for 10 years longer than me. So, Mm. you know, that's when I learned that it's really important to always know where you're at in your journey and not to compare yourself to others um, who, you know, might be better than you but might have also been doing it for longer. Yeah, so perspective is key. Yeah, absolutely. Love a good perspective. Some great messages there. Mm. So when you're talking about the bench time and so forth, is that that a real really good lesson in terms of patience as well? Absolutely. Yeah, Mm. huge patience. But not only patience it's about putting team first if you're in any team sport you can't get am i allowed to swear on this Uh, Uh, (laughs) (laughs) you can't get too annoyed um that you're sitting on the bench because that's letting your teammates down so and also if you get the opportunity in say a third or fourth quarter to go on you want to be playing well and if you're in a bad mood because you haven't played for the last half or whatever it might be then more than likely you're not going to play well and you're not going to play the next game but if you can go on in that last five minutes and make a real difference and have your head in the game then chances are the coach is going to go she was switched on today I'm going to give her a shot next week and she can start so when when you're watching are you in the moment are you going absolutely I would have done that differently or I would have led to that space Uh, or I would yeah yeah. well yeah absolutely so you're playing the game you're playing the game in your head now when I go on I know that this person likes to go to the fats. You know, I'm going to you know, yeah. guard that side and stuff. Yeah. Like you're really strategic in the game, ready to go. Yeah, it's almost easier coming on because you have seen it. Whereas yeah, the yeah. poor girls that start, yep, they might get torn a new one. But <laughs> then, uh, you know, but they haven't had the opportunity to sit back. And sometimes it might even just be that I come on for a quarter and show them, you know, this is how you can do it a bit better. Or like, you know, that you weren't able to see. And then by them sitting back and watching, they can come back on mm. and then do a better job as well. So that's the thing that I love about Netball. It's about who 
getting the best out of whoever's on the court, no matter who that is. And that, yeah, I definitely learned a lot of patience and putting other people first and putting the team first. Um, and it's a really good way to make yourself better because you've got to train harder if you do want to be out there. We're crescendoing towards the ultimate, which is the diamonds. Um, I'm assuming it's the ultimate. Yes. But, I, uh, but we went from we. So I'm already with you yeah, now. Yeah, you are. <laughs> I'm already with you. Come on, my journey. So, so, <laughs> that's all part of my storytelling. Talk, to me, talk me through you went from the Vixens and about 2010 you went across to the Thunderbirds yeah. uh, where you won the championship yes. in the first year there. Was that all to do with you or was that? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it was all to do with Shani. Um, what, was I, that, what, in ta- what, what did that moving tail and, and what was the reasons for that? Was it opportunity or was it? Yeah. So um, I was in the Vixens in 2008. I was one of only four or five players to not step on court that year wow. at all. So I didn't get one minute of court time. Wow. So because of that, obviously lost confidence again and I went back down to um, the AIS. So to obviously get the confidence back up and enjoy net my netball again. And then at the end of that year, I got offered a spot in Melbourne again and or Adelaide and I took Adelaide because it was different. I'd already been in Melbourne for five years and clearly that hadn't been successful so why not try something new. Um, So I went over to Adelaide who are also a really successful team and um, yeah I ended up playing um, wing defence which wasn't a position of mine. I had previously played goalkeeper and goal defence but wasn't on the court because Jeeva Mentor and Moni Gerard who were two of the world's best defenders at the time were in front of me. (laughs) Hands down fair enough. Um, But then the wing defence did her Achilles and I thought well there's an opportunity an opportunity for me to play a new position. So I went to the coach and said, Jane, can I have a crack in wing defence? Can you teach me how to play it? And she did. So from the next game on I played wing defence and played it the whole way through to the grand final. Wow. And we won. So, um, yeah, but I think just that team in general was such an experienced side. We had Nat Von Berto as well who was the Australian captain. Um, Carla uh, Borrego, who was a Jamaican shooter, Aaron Bell. Um, it was a pretty hot and heavy Absolutely, side. Yeah, so, so And it was the best way it. for me to learn because I literally had these experienced girls around me telling me what to do. Celery but, Cap City right there. Yeah, I know. Except we didn't get paid then. In yeah. football, so. <laughs> but within no time you became vice-captain and then you're talking about Von Berto, you actually co-captained with her a couple of years later. Like, yeah. what, that, that was incredible to come to a new club, new position. But all of a sudden you, you, you launched straight into leadership. Yeah, I think um, leadership for me has come and gone throughout my career and it's been a matter of I am who I am. In some teams it's seen as leadership and in other teams it's not Mm. Um, and that's okay either way and I just don't like to change or unless I'm growing obviously Um, but I don't like to change who I am as long as, you know, that's for the benefit of the team and I think just having that loud voice, as you were saying earlier on, um, netball teams weren't used to having that so Mm. they did see that as a real sign of leadership and the fact that I could sit on the bench and still push my teammates and always have that team first mentality and try and get the team up and about and always have that clear head going into finals and you know coming from Victoria we were always a grand final based state um so I had really good experience of playing in finals and I think that's where that kind of developed and it was yeah really nice for that to be rewarded over in Adelaide after I'd struggled in Melbourne for so long and every elite sports person we've talked to when we talk about leadership they all seem to come back with the same consistent message about what leadership is. Once Ooh. upon a time it was a title, yeah. then it was a responsibility, but whether it be Nathan Buckley who we interviewed last week, whether it be Bianca Chatfield that we interviewed um, last year, it doesn't matter who they are, they all say the same thing. Leadership in 2019, current day, 
is about being authentically you. And if yes. you can't be authentically you, then you know if that environment doesn't allow you to be you, mm-hmm. there's no way you can impart your leadership ability on anybody anybody else. So I think you know what I'm hearing is you're prepared to go away from home at a very young age. Yeah, you didn't seem to struggle with living away in Canberra, dull, no, dark, fine. dismal July. Loved it. I mean, what is the best thing that comes out of Canberra? Any flight that gets you home, I would have thought. Shani Layton. Shani Layton. <laughs> but but then to go to Adelaide, um, you know, and just be prepared to, as you say, keep pursuing the opportunities. And if that meant getting out of your comfort zone, mm. if that's not leadership, I don't know what is to say yeah. that, you know, I'm going to actually get uncomfortable to see if I can actually progress my career. And as Pete said, that's an amazing, like a year and a half, bang, you go from sort of new club, starting out, trying to set a bit of a track record yeah. to then be co-captain. That's just an amazing effort. But then there was then there was the world champs in, in uh, Singapore in 2011. Yes. Where you won your first gold. Yes. P- playing for the Diamonds. Yeah, that was amazing. What's so, your memory of that? Um, I just remember that I wasn't expecting to be there and funnily enough you find you play worse at trials in the teams that you want to make. Um, whereas of course I wanted to be in the team but the Commonwealth Games were the year before and I'd missed out on – even trialling for that because we'd won the premiership and I had too much of a good time, unfortunately, <laughs> but I learnt my lesson Put the C pretty hard. Into celebration, um, yeah. And so the next year I thought, well, I'm just going to give the other girls a run for their money and, you know, if they're going to earn a spot in that team, I'm going to make them earn it. And so that I was playing wing defence at the time still. I had another year under my belt of playing a new position um, and I just went nuts and I guess I wasn't nervous because I wasn't expecting to make the team and I just had a ripper of a, yeah, selection trial, I guess. And you're like I knew that I'd played well but still in saying that there is no way in hell I thought that I was going to make the team and at that point in time, I don't know if Chatfield talked about it, but they would sit you down, um, everyone in the squad in the room or 20 of you and they would read out who made the team from in alphabetical order from your surname. Um, and I remember it got to Leighton and it was like, Leighton? And I was like... No, <laughs> like it was just like, and I just cried. But it's, it was so tough because, yep, I was super excited, but you have to be so respectful of the girls that are also in that room that didn't make it. Yep. So you kind of hold it in a little bit. But then afterwards, yeah, it was just an explosion of excitement. And not only for myself, it was Aaron Bell and Chelsea Pittman were both debutants as well as myself for the Australian team. And Norma Palmer did that because they'd lost the – Commonwealth Games in Delhi the year yep. before and she just wanted to inject some youth and excitement into the team and we're obviously playing well enough as well and I think in any team it can get a bit stale at times with players that have been there too long and don't appreciate it and so for bringing us in and we just loved every single second of it almost <laughs> yeah. brought that youth back in the older girls as well. Because there was a, there was a fairly long sort of patch there where uh, there was no success there for the Diamonds was there Commonwealth Games wise yes. we're going to lead to Glasgow in a minute in 2014 yeah, yeah. but there was a big period there wasn't it where it was just um, you just could not just get to that ultimate prize at the end. Yeah, and it was so funny because with netball, it's the Worlds every four years and Com Games every four years. And mm. so Australia would always win the Worlds um, and then the Com Games – New Zealand would win, so it was always just created this really great rivalry. Well, only a year. Well, it's just because you have so much hurt and pain from losing the year before that you're like, "There's no way I'm going to lose next year." And, and then three years go by, and you think, "Oh, we've got it to win it," and then you've lost it again, and then it comes back, and you're like, "Oh, so you cruel. just yeah, it is. It's a cruel sport, but you know, each game, it's not like either team smacked the other one. Like no, it was always in always. overtime and one yep. one goal here or there, and almost luck at the end of the day as well. And it's a moving beast. I mean, your mm. opponents aren't just sitting idle; they're trying to get better. 
They've yeah, just exactly watched you right. win the world. So they're thinking, well, Com Games, we know what their strengths are. We're going yeah. to see if we can improve our strengths and take down their weaknesses to a Absolutely. degree. Absolutely. So it's, you know, I mean, you can keep on improving as the Diamonds, but if your opponents say, well, we're not going to let you play the game you want to play. Absolutely. We'll dumb it down to our level and make sure that we make it a real absolute, you know, fight. scratch fight. I was mm. going to say another word there, but scratch yeah. fight. Um, you know, that's the way it can kind of go. Keep going with your – I feel like I'm with the Bruce McAvaney of netball here. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, he, absolutely Pete. I, I unashamedly, and, and I think I've mentioned it before on podcasts. I, I've, um, I've I've grown up with netball. Yeah, three yeah. older sisters, so yeah. I, I used to literally go to netball every single week. Just all you, all you hear here is Pete knows how to take direction from a woman. Yeah, three <laughs> older sisters, Emma, his wife. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty true. Good absolutely. man. Good man. The Magpies is a great story, and had a had a former team of of champions. And I'm mm. going to get. I'd, I'd love you to talk about champion team versus team of champions. Yeah, because you know you would have like through those diamond era. That's uh, the, the diamond era, diamond era. Uh, from <laughs> from about eleven to seventeen, something like that, and then yeah. seventeen the uh, Suncourt Super Netball. Uh, was born mm. and the Magpies were born. Yeah, and there was a lot of key signings. Yeah, you being one of them. Yeah, but things didn't necessarily <laughs> gel on did paper. They? It looked magnificent. Oh, didn't magnificent. Oh, yeah. magnificent. It, was, it was literally a team of champions. Yeah. Well and truly. Yeah, you had Mads there, who was, was captain of the yeah. the the Diamonds, and, and she was leading. You were you were leading as well. Mm. Talk us through, I guess, the learnings now, looking back on that. What was right? What was wrong? Mm. What, what were key learnings? Time over again. Oh, time over again. Um, I think they would have signed a different team, to you be think? honest. Yeah. yeah. Um, just from the point of view of it's it's really tough when you get a lot of experienced players together yeah. because you're all being set in your ways and you've all come from different teams. I think if you get a lot of experienced players from the same team and you have the same culture, then it's all good. Whereas we had a really successful time at the Swifts with myself and Caitlin and so yeah. we thought, you know, this is how you need to run a team. Yeah. Um, and then you had a Maddie. really experienced – oh, yeah, so Maddie from the Vixens, Vixens. also an experienced Vixens. culture. Yeah. Um, Ravi from the Firebirds, yeah. another experienced culture. So it was really – like, but the thing is, it sounds like we all butted heads, but we didn't. What happened was we all wanted to leave it all behind and we did, but by leaving that all behind and trying to create something new, we didn't draw on the successful parts slash leave behind the non-successful parts. Um, and it was honestly us looking out for each other that ended up being the detriment to our own team because we couldn't have those conversations. We couldn't have the hard conversations of I need you to do this now. It was almost a bit more finger pointy than pointing at yourself. And I was a part of that for sure. So um, yeah. I'm no innocent um, bystander in all of this. And it, it was a really tough time because as we've said earlier, like I had been a leader in previous teams, I'd even captained my country on yeah. a tournament. And the fact that the way that I knew how to lead wasn't the best way to lead this group was really tough for me. And how I like to lead was almost detrimental to this group of yeah. girls and their personalities. And it was real a really tough time because then if that you go against everything that you know – then you don't know. And then we all just got to a place where we didn't have confidence and none of us knew and we couldn't get ourselves out of the rut. And it was a really sad and difficult place to be. An amazing so, so distinction. It's incredible, isn't it? There's things that you know you know, then there's things that you know that you don't know, but then there's things that you don't know that you don't know. Mm, absolutely. What are those? What were those things and, and, and what were the harshest of the of, of the critics saying? Um, oh, we didn't listen to any of the critics. Everyone can have their own stab and I'll do the same thing now. Hence jumping over to AFLW, everyone can say what you want, but I know where I'm at um, in in my journey. You don't know that you don't know um, is that like everyone leads in their own way, yes, but I – 
yeah, we didn't have one set leader, um, and this is harsh, but in the playing group, all the coaching staff. Yeah. Um, and so it was really tough when things that we were all trying just weren't working and we all knew that we were underperforming and, and struggling. But um, to this point, I don't know what else we could have done that yeah. could have been different, that could have had a different outcome. Like it was just so confusing being in and amongst it all that I still don't know, but it was just a really – unfortunately great learning experience i think for everyone involved but yeah. it's lessons learned now so yeah absolutely the program is better for that yes and it's definitely very, it's still in its infancy let's be honest like yeah you can't just add water mix no you and can't they, there you go there's a there's a great recipe to just follow you yeah. have to actually be adjusting so but are we able to talk about aflw at the moment or have you still got more yeah, questions i want to pivot McEvaney? i want to just pivot right just before we get to aflw because that's a story in itself but something happened just before AFLW, a little thing called mental health, which is um, mm. it's, it's, it's well and truly prominent in, in, in our world today. And yep. unfortunately, it's way too prominent. And it's, um, it's something that, you know, it, it's great to talk about. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't talk about it. Correct. To your credit, Shans, mm. you, you spoke about it. You came, you, you're out and you put yourself front and centre. Um, are you happy to sort of talk a little bit about that and what you went through? Yeah. Um, Always. Before, during, after, and yeah. Yeah. Well, I think um, the tough part, even in talking about that magpie's journey, because I wasn't well myself and I didn't know how to be well and I wasn't aware that I was unwell, um, I was a really hard person to be in the team with as well, which was, you know, uh, you know, a side of me that a lot of the girls hadn't seen before, a side of me that I didn't like. You know, I was really snappy, um, just a bit grumpy a lot of the time, bit of attitude, which I usually, as I said earlier, would be able to put aside and put team first, but um, was really struggling with. Um, and then, you know, I couldn't figure out why, why I was so upset all the time. I cried a lot, really grumpy, didn't have any feelings, like, which was just odd. I'm usually a really emotional person, but I was emotional in the wrong ways. And um, it took a full breakdown, like for me just not knowing why I was crying and upset to reach out to our Diamonds Wellbeing Manager, um, Angie Bain, who's absolutely phenomenal. And I just said, Angie, enough's enough. This was post-season, so post-magpie season. Um, I just said, enough's enough. Um, I don't know what's going on here. I know I'm not well and I know that I need help. Can you help me? And, yep, she reached out, um, hooked me up with my therapist and hands down to Netball Australia for looking after me. They were absolutely phenomenal in the way that they dealt with it um, and completely wrapped me up in cotton wool. I had six, sick leave for three months as I went through therapy to, you know, I was bedridden pretty much for the first two months of that, um, just learning what I was going through and the process of going through it all. But then as I was going through that and learning from my psychologist to my psychiatrist what depression was all about I was like oh wow like if I knew this I would have reached out two years yeah. ago yeah. Um, and if I you know and why don't more people talk about this because mm. if these signs were more evident and more well known yep. then you know and I would and the thing was like I went to my psychiatrist and he was like all right Shans there's four parts of like depression I was like yep 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 um, I might have like one or two, you know, one or two. Um, and he's like, okay, so the first one is just like your mood, always down, lacking feelings and emotions and this and that. And I was like, yeah, 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 that's me. That's me. Tick okay, box. that's one. One. Second one was uh, like motivation. Like you just have zero motivation. You have no motivation to do anything. You're not passionate about anything. It's just like deadline flat, like nothing there. It's just like, 
Oh, yep, yep. That's that's definitely me as well. Okay, yep. Well, there's the two. There's the two. And he's like, uh, the third one um, is about in social – or it's your brain. You just can't – like you just blank. Like so if I was sitting here talking to you guys, I couldn't actually grab information to talk about because my mind just goes completely blank and I couldn't think of anything. I couldn't grab anything. Um, and I'd just sit there in total awkwardness. And I was like, oh. Yep, okay, that's three out of four. <laughs> and then four out of fourth, because of that, it's kind of a roll-on, but social anxiety, because you can't have normal conversations because you can't link things together to be able to think of shared experiences, to be able to have a conversation. You just hate being in social environments. So it got to the point where I was just lock myself up. And I was like, oh, God, it's four out of four. And he's like, yeah, you're not well. <laughs> um, and I was like, oh, but at least there was something in front of me telling me why I wasn't well and that, you know, I just thought I was going a bit nutty and a bit insane. I thought that my personality had changed for life and that's yep. just who I'd become and it was a really scary place to be. So yeah. the fact that it was like, nope, you've got depression, this is what we're going to do to work on it and all the rest of it, it probably took me about eight months to get out of that slump in particular um, and playing elite sport and having mental health issues, problems, whatever we like to call it these days, mm. um, is one of the hardest things to do because I don't believe that you can do both because uh, like to rebuild your brain is like rebuilding any other muscle in the gym and to be able to take on that amount of stress when you don't have the capabilities to was really hard. So mm. that second year of Magpies, I was just a complete write-off pretty mm. much. But what, what I'm hearing there is, you know, people aren't their behaviours. So you come across, anyone who meets Shani Layton goes, energy, vibe, but sometimes it's a bit of a, not a mask, but it's mm. sort of your way of trying to deal Absolutely. with it. But as we all know, there's red flags. You found four of them. you got yes. some mooring lines that are telling you this is really what's going on. You can't see it, but your boat's hooked up to this bloody anchor down here and you need yeah. to be aware of it. And and then you started dealing with it. And I think the first part is awareness. And we're pretty passionate about that. We're, we're interviewing uh, Wayne Schwoss coming up shortly, yeah. Nick, Nick Brax, who's a, a massive advocate for it. And Amazing. They say the exact same messaging is about, you know, if you see someone with a, a plaster cast on their arm, you go, oh, you, your arm's broken. No one goes around with a plaster cast around their exactly head. right. So it's kind yeah. of, it's we've got to be very careful about sort of, you know, maybe going people out their behaviours both ways. You know, yeah, sometimes absolutely. Sometimes it's like, oh, what's wrong with her? Like, yeah. got off on the wrong side of the bed. No, no, you're struggling to get out of bed. Yes, but can't absolutely. Tell you. <laughs> Correct way. Yeah, and yeah. that's what I always think now. It's always... Like, oh, gosh, I feel for that person because yeah. whatever they're going through right now clearly isn't great. Yeah. The way you articulate it now, Shani, is just yes, yes, it's, that's, it's, that's it's the point just I would amazing, say. amazing. You're, you took, spoke the, said the word awareness before, but your understanding of, of what it is and what you've done to turn yourself around is, is, is a real credit to you. And it's a great message and it, it, it's, you can, you, you've got to do things to actually get yourself out of it. You can't yeah. just sort of sit there. It's interesting. I was listening to a, uh, a really awesome um, podcast the other day from Lewis House. Lewis House, uh, American guy, like one of the most popular podcasts in the States. And he goes, you know, any direction is greater than no direction. Yeah. And it's interesting sometimes with mental health, people just sort of, they get stuck. Yeah. Where do I go? And half the trick is just saying, well, here's what you need to do. And and, and mm. on that is the segue, Netball Australia, congratulations. Yeah, absolutely. Because you know, that's that, that just, my eyes lit up when you said that. Yeah. Yeah. That they really embraced you and, and sent you in the right sort of direction. On that, you know, in terms of I might be, you know, I'm really potentially setting you up here, but um, other sports and so forth, do you think they're doing enough or what could they be doing more of in terms of in heightening their awareness mm. and, and certainly creating pathways for people to actually find help? 
Uh, it's really difficult and it's such a long conversation to have because that was Netball Australia but I think um, clubs like especially, you know, I think there's a lot of um, super netball clubs out there that still don't even have a well-being or psych- yeah. psychologist in place. So I think every club needs to have a person in so place. that's a must, yeah. That's a must. Um, that person must be qualified and they must be aware of those behaviours and they need to also educate the group around how to deal with this person. And like deal sounds like a bad way to deal with it. Mm. But, um, you know, like say, for example, like you were saying earlier, Rick, if, you know, someone's rocking up late but however they've just struggled to get out of bed in the morning, like, yep, we're going to give them a little bit of leeway here or there because in a team sport, you know, you've got these values you have to stick to but that's really hard to stick to when you're struggling to brush your teeth or Mm. do things that, Every day, people don't even have to think twice about. You're not functioning. You're yeah, exactly functioning. right. And yeah. so the reality there is, you've got to have the right environment. I think that's the first part. You've got to have yes. the right environment to put your hand up and say, "I'm not doing that well." Correct. Which in a competitive sport, yes, seems to be almost. It used to be seen as a sign of weakness. I think it's the greatest strength you can show nowadays yeah, to say, definitely. "Hey, I want." I, I'm being honest with you. I'm not going that well. I need some help here. I yes. need. Uh, I need to put my hand up. And we've 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 got some chats about this in our thinking around. You know, other sports could take a leaf out of Netball Australia because we we are very passionate about. That. Mm-hmm. We're not going to mention other organisations, but you're absolutely spot on. They're so far behind the eight ball. It's just not funny. Yeah. I think the first thing is have the right environment. Yeah. Clearly, Netball Australia have got then the right resources to yes, back that up. Correct. Yeah. And then the third part about it is they're now, because they're sort of early into the game with that structure, they've already got some case studies that goes, we now know what's working. We know yeah. where, we, where we can improve. And it's people like Shani who come out and say, you know, I struggled. Here's the benefit. Now yeah. you're, you're part of the case studies. Yeah, absolutely. And I think whoever's doing studies or PhDs or whatever it is, there's all introduction programs back for, like we were saying, an injured hammy, ankle, yep. knee. <laughs> yeah, but there's right. no introduction programs <laughs> for mental health. Yeah. And that was the hardest bit because we didn't know and my introduction back was trial and error. Yep. And sometimes I pushed too hard. Sometimes I didn't push enough. Um, but, yeah, definitely the one that, you're pushing yourself too hard and it needs to be okay for you to have a training or two off well, um, yeah. to be able to get through. Well, Shans, thank you for your honesty because I think it's important that we um, just acknowledge that that's, that's very courageous to just come out. And I know you're very public about it in some respects and very yeah. private in other areas, but I think clearly it's worked because you then decide at the peak of your powers to say, you know what? I might try another sport. Yes, <laughs> Let's give indeed. AFLW a bit of a go. Let's just give that a bit of a Now, I understand it's in the same building, so that yeah. helps. It's not like you had to change lockers almost. Definitely. Well, I did, but, yeah, but you know, yeah. that was, it was just across the road. Yeah, across, like, the, yeah, yeah, across, across the, the corridor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so AFLW, that's been now an interesting scenario for you. With all the other stuff that's going on in your world, your media profile, you're obviously doing television. If you leave a message on Charney's mobile, it's like, you've missed Sharn's, leave me a message. If it's to do with TV, speak to my manager. If it's to do with, uh, you know, content. I feel like I was leaving a voicemail on Beyonce's yeah. voicemail message, to be honest, Pete. <laughs> well, it was a little bit scary. Act but, like uh, whoever you want to be. Yeah, yeah. But despite all of that, you know Call what? Mom. <laughs> hey, we're just a couple of podcasters. It's, you just want to yeah. chat. That, but you know what? I'm, I, I'm afraid for these microphones when they finish because I reckon she's just going to drop the mic, boom, yeah. walk out of here because I know you've got a tight time schedule so we're going to start to wrap up. But yes. can I just sort of ask your views now about making that code shift from yep. Netball to AFLW? First of all, what motivated it and what have you? what's surprised you about that, that you've been delighted with with the, with the move across because we can't yeah. talk too much on the performance side. No. It hasn't been great, let's be oh, honest. We're getting there. We're getting yeah, there. But, get um, it. Is not winning a game not great? No, not winning okay. a game. Sorry. Well, I just, well, sorry yeah, I but you can have that. other wins. Well, like You might yeah. not win the game, but you hey, know you, you have huge season improvements. Please, um, please. Kangaroos have done. You're back for North Melbourne. 
should understand what you're going to find wins other than yeah, outside exactly of the. Right. Uh, I'm surprised you haven't had a crack at me yet. Actually, yeah. But, yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, for me it was just uh, with netball. I was done. Yep. And I, like I knew, knew at the end it. of that year. Yep. Um, I was yeah, and I. I but you could have gone have, on. You had the fitness. You had everything. But yeah, but I didn't have the mental fitness yeah, to go, go on. Okay. I like uh, to get myself back to where I used to play. Yeah, yeah. and how I used to play yeah. was going to be too much of a toll on okay. me. And I just needed something new. And I just like I've always been a gut instinct girl, which is why I've moved around so much and done so many different things. And then after I gave it up, I was like, but I am still fit enough to play a sport. And yeah. hell, if I can give footy a go, then that'd be a little bit of fun. So <laughs> I went over and said, hey, what are you, what are your thoughts around this? Can we make it work? Can we not? And uh, they said, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how we go. And coming in, I was just so um, – I don't know what the right word is, it, but, um, yeah, I just overawed almost. Just like the first training session I had out there with the girls, how fit they were, how strong they were and what I'd really gotten myself into. <laughs> <laughs> what, was the, what was the biggest crowd you played in front of, Netball? Uh, 17,000. And – so your first game of AFLW was in front of eighteen. Eighteen. Yeah. yeah. So it topped it. Yeah, yeah. I did. And that's the thing. Like we've our first game at Victoria Park, we had eight thousand. Um, and at Marvel Stadium on the weekend we had ten thousand. It is. And I know um like they're just amazing numbers to be pulling in, especially Absolutely. three years in into the competition. And it doesn't look as much when you you know, you zoom in on the stadium, but um, you know, it's unfortunate for netball that being in a stadium, that's the max amount of numbers that you can get. But it is it's a very different feel as well to having a full house of 17,000 to an empty house of 10,000. Absolutely. Um, So it's different environments to play in front of, but there's both as equally cool as each other. Well, I think, you know, we've got to put it into perspective, but the the Hyundai A-League's been going for more than a decade. They'd be wrapped with an 18,000 crowd at a lot of games. Oh, wouldn't they just? be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, you know, I think – and when you think of the base of soccer – Yes. The ethnic base from, you know, people who have been second, third generation Australians who who are passionate about it, you'd think that they'd be filling, you know, Amy Park and, you know, Marvel Stadium and – but the reality is is that you're getting a following. Yeah. Um, What I can say, just observing you – and I don't watch a lot of AFLW, I'll be really honest, but – you have you're, you're living proof, as you said earlier. You can't get match fit by just sitting on the bench. Mm. You've actually progressed by actually playing. Your ruck work now is bloody elite, and yeah, it's, it's happened fine. It's very quickly. Yes, but it's happened because yeah. you've actually got in. And what I love about you is you roll up the sleeves, you have a go, and you get going. Yeah, and, and then, the extra work that people don't see behind. Yeah, the scene. that's right. The yeah, extra yeah, three, four the, sessions a week. That's right. <laughs> Which you, how does the magician um, pull the rabbit out of the hat? They put it in there in the first place. Yeah, so, exactly right. So putting the magic in is all about you preparing well in yes, the process. Definitely right, learning, and you still learn. Learning, yeah, so and which is so fun. I love learning. And the thing when you get to the top of a sport, you know, you only have increments that you can improve by. And, you know, it gets to the point where you're like, oh, yeah, I think I'm done now. Whereas <laughs> I love learning. Like I've just always loved learning. So to be able to start from scratch and be a real rookie and be the underdog and um, be able to grow so quick so fast, it's a, yeah, it's a real delight. So what's in wrapping up, what's left for you? Where's the where's your big focus now in terms of sport and in terms of obviously you've got your media career, you're yeah. very yeah. You're very passionate about giving back. I mean, you have done a lot of these podcasts as a way of sort of helping young girls in this day yes, and age correct. or in that social media age of body image age of being yes. told not worthy age. Mm. You're very passionate about sort of making sure that if you hear anything in this interview, I'm hoping you're hearing that no one makes Shani's opinions of herself but for herself. She, she's yes. the one who determines that and everybody else, thanks for the feedback. But if I don't value you, yeah. the feedback's almost like water off a duck's back. But where, where's, where's the big thing for you now going forward, whether it be sport or – 
or life in general? Um, well, it's literally just still everything that you've just said. Like just to still play sport my whole life no matter what. Yep. It's just a lot of fun. Um, I'm recently engaged, Good which is you. great. Thank you. Wow, congrats. Um, so I met the man of my dreams last year, which yep. was great and just opened up a whole new life for me. Um, always lucky him, be, let's be honest. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I'm the lucky one, but no, okay. um, then like he oh, – no, He's a good-looking good rooster. Yeah, I know he is. Good he is. Mm. He's but a tough one. He's tall. He yeah. is six foot six. Yeah. yeah. Well, you'd have to be, wouldn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not a heightist, but it helps. No. <laughs> um, and then, you know, always around my family, but definitely um, very passionate, as we said, about that teenage girls age yeah. group. So I've got a few projects on the go at the moment about wanting to empower them and hopefully create a resource for them um, to help navigate them through those teen years that can be quite difficult. So that's the direction that I'm heading at well, the moment. Well, we'd love to what reconnect about, Hang on, just you. one second. Oh. What about – equestrian at the olympics is oh i always thought about that it's too political you know it's been the same people in every olympics for the last five or six olympics okay all right testify i mean i'm all over that i'm seeing it as it is but can i just say in wrapping up shani we'd love to continue the conversation with you a little bit down the track to to see if we can help sort of promote those things bianca was telling us about what she's looking to do and we've we've liked to think that we've given her a bit of a platform to share that out there as well let's be honest we're we're a developing voices of value podcast pete we've got a (laughs) we've got a following we just keep but we love people who just come on and share content 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 it's yeah, not about absolutely. anything more you don't need your ego stroke but we are incredibly thankful for your honesty your absolute giving nature of who you are i just love your energy i you know if you're feeling down just hang around shans for oh, five minutes and i reckon i'm a, a hugger it's it, yeah, <laughs> yeah well actually when i got hugged when i saw her today i'll be honest i actually felt like i'd been to my car and had neck alteration yeah. but i felt good i felt good i felt well, loved I mean, which is, shans, uh, well i had uh shans walked into a home that i was had open for inspection and there must have been about 20 meeting. or 20 five people around so I was like ah we just couldn't stop yapping and uh, like, <laughs> I'm actually going to speak to some other people now <laughs> but she you're, you're, you do have an infectious personality it's clear um, that you're a leader without really I mean you're, you are a leader but you can be a leader without being a leader because you just mm. see it you just take responsibility you're just heading in a direction uh, it's clear that you don't like that place called no man's land so any direction is a good direction Correct. And you're always challenging yourself but the big part of today for me is how open you are about life, about uh, about you know internally the internal workings mm. uh, of an elite sports person because it's not all glitz and glamour. Mm. Sometimes it's, there's some really tough struggles that go on behind closed doors. But you've been incredibly um, incre- incredibly generous in sharing that with us today. Mm. So hopefully a lot of people have got a lot out of it. So Shans, you're an absolute gem. Love you to bits. Thanks, team. Thanks for having me. Well, it's our pleasure, folks. I hope you got some value out of that. Uh, the main message here, quite simply is please give us some feedback if you like the content rated if you've got young ladies in your life make sure you share it with them if you've got young people in your life make sure you share it with them ultimately this will be a great podcast if you take action on it we look forward to next week's interview and again on behalf of everybody at Voices of Value Shani thank you so much we trust you enjoyed listening to Voices of Value a shared conversation between Rick Rushton and Peter Kakos. their views are not necessarily those of the wider world but they should be If you're keen to enhance the quality of your life even further in the future, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or your preferred podcast source. Our website is voicesofvaluepodcast.com, and we welcome both your feedback and ratings on the content we provide. Join the conversation again next week when Peter and Rick continue the search for truth, justice, and the value-added way.